All right. <laughs> I, think, I think Pastor Robert was there from the very beginning, you know, from the dirt all the way to, you know, what it is. Isn't that great? That's my son, uh, my grandson, Ethan, that's uh, doing all our videos and things now. He's just doing such a great job. And uh, as you know, I've told you this before, but we're building a, a hospital for malnourished children. And uh, uh, lots of other things as well, not just that, but lots of other things. It's a big project. Uh, but, you know, because God is good. You know, somebody gave us $1 million to finish it. I mean, what can you say? It's going to be the, the best top-of-the-line hospital in all of Guatemala. And it's totally free. But we are going to save the lives of thousands of babies and children and other things as well that, that are there. And, uh, you know, that was our first $1 million gift by just one group of people and uh, that are not, I'm not sure they're saved, but to God be the glory saved or not, whatever, but maybe they are, but I'm just saying, uh, and that's all for that. Like all that money is for that. We don't like touch that money, that none of that money, not a penny of that money goes to any human being that just goes for that. It's all designated. And so it goes right there. Uh, so and then there's many other projects that we're doing. Africa, for example, this church gave us the money to buy the land that we just bought. And now we're clearing all of that. The church gave us the money to do all that. And then we're going to build uh, a variety of different things there, one of them being a, a, a house for the little children and the girls and the boys that are molested at night for them to come and be able to stay because they get, you know, those children there, those little girls there get pregnant at 12 years old because the father's an alcoholic or the brothers and, you know, they have no protection. And there's over 100,000 orphans on the streets of the ghettos that we're in. And so this will provide them a place to come and be safe at night from all the predators that, that are in their life. Then we educate, feed, do all that. And we'll also be able to start pretty soon uh, feeding 1,000 children a day. Praise the Lord. We're just right there. And that's a miracle. That's a miracle of God, you know, to God be the glory. And, but we appreciate your partnership, as, as Pastor Robert said. And it means a lot. It really does. And thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, right before, I, I want to minister to some people real quick. Uh, but right before we do that, um, I want to tell you that we have over on that table these books, The Encouraged Parent. If you're a parent and you want to stay encouraged in your parenting and you want to have like a prophetic anointing over your children, get this book right here, The Encouraged Parent. If you have children and you want to train them and you actually believe it's your job to train your children, that it's not the school's job or anybody else's job, but it's your job, uh, get letters from God for children. And then there's you will study one character trait a week with your child, as there's one question on that character trait for every day of the week, like what is destiny? You know, how do you achieve your destiny? Each question is for one day. There's seven questions, one Bible verse that you memorize with your child on that subject. So at the end of the year, you've studied 52 character traits or spiritual principles and memorized 52 verses. And you have 52 letters from God addressed to your child about that character trait. And so at the end of the year, you know, you've weaponized your child and then it, 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 it lasts until your children leave your house. Praise the Lord. Whether it's 18 or 80, whatever it may be, you know, you, 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 that journey changes for each child, you know what I'm saying? Some of you are 35 and are still living at home, but, but I'm just saying, you know, it's you know, different stuff happens, but you know, 
no condemnation. I mean, whatever. I'm just saying, if your parents are smart, you're going to say, we're doing this. I know you're 40, but we're doing this. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a actual, one of the ones is on work. So let's just, uh, <laughs> no, it's kidding. It's kidding. I think. And then letters from God, if you don't have that. Also, if you will go on your app and put in my name, Ivan Tate, T-A-I-T, on the app store of your phone, put in my name, then my app comes up, and uh, then you're able to get all our new things that are coming out. And if you go on Kindle or you go on iBooks or you go on Amazon, you can just put in uh, Ivan Tate and all the, all the e-books we have, I think there's four of them, will pop up. Our latest one is 365 things your children should know before they leave your house. So that's on there now. You can download it right now. It's the uh, best way to get things at lower prices, you know, and things like that. But that'll last. That's over a year of things for you and your child to discuss. Um, and so thank you for all of that. And thank you, Pastor. Uh, for everything that you guys do and really appreciate it. Ms. Laura's going to play a little bit just in the background. And how many of you here are feeling sick in your bodies? If you are, would you just stand up really quick if you're feeling sick? I know Pastor prayed, but I want to kind of do this again. And, and uh, I want to just say to you that as Pastor uh, Robert was saying, God is a healer. And I, I just want to take that a little bit deeper because I just felt a strong anointing on that healing. And why don't you just offer your body to the Lord right now? Those of you that are sick, just offer your body to the Lord and say, God, I just give you my body right now. And I ask you to heal me. And we say together, and if you're near them, stretch your hands out towards them. And let's just believe God right now for your supernatural healing that from your head down to your toes all the sick cells will die and all the living godly cells will live and that the war going on in your body on the cellular level will be won by the Holy Spirit and if necessary by the adjustment of your diet for some of you, just changing your diet is going to heal your body. For those of you that need more than that, we are here, we stand with you, and we stretch our hands out and say recover, recover supernaturally, and recover right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We want to talk to Brother Bill and Miss Pat over there. Where's your husband? He's out there somewhere? Well, you stand up then, and you, he can just osmosis the thing. But I, I want you all to extend your hands over to them. And, uh, you know, when I was sitting here, I heard this, so I'm going to give it to you. Psalm 3120, that God has hidden you in the place of his preservation. And he has hidden both of you in the sweet place of his fellowship and communion. And that you will be safe. As you walk hand in hand with God, you will be safe from the endangerments of the world and of the body and of the spirit. For there is a sweet place you'll start drinking from every day. When you wake up in the morning, it's going to feel like you have been born again, again. And a, a youth, a spirit of youthfulness is coming upon you. Because you have been loyal and faithful, the Lord has given you long life. Psalm 91, 10, 11, and 12. I will show you my salvation. Because you have set your love upon me, I will deliver you from every trouble and satisfy you with long life. And all your days will be filled with my praise. Praise God. Let's all give the Lord a hand for that.
and say, thank you, God. Jesus is amazing. I'm going to speak to Keitha right here, everybody. Stand up, Keitha. Everybody stretch your hands out to Keitha. And I want to say these words to you, Keitha. You are a good woman. You are a lovable woman. You are a kind woman. You are a faithful woman. And something is coming your way from heaven that will feel like God has set his table before you and put all of your favorite things on it. And this is what I'm hearing. The season of your favorite things is approaching. It's when you sit down at the table with God and he spreads that table the way only he could do. Because of course, only he knows you. And he spreads before you the most delicious pieces of life. And Psalm 16 is very beautiful. It says, because you lift up my name and honor it, I'll let you live with me in my tangible presence so that it becomes like fruit in your mouth and honey in your soul. And your heart will dance again. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, wow, I'm just glad I came to church this morning. And let's talk to you, ma'am, right there, whoever you are. Yeah, go ahead and stand up if you would. Would you extend your hands? So I'm hearing this from the Lord, that you have been pouring out your love to God. And that you are doing it day and night that you've walked on some stony paths in your life. You did it innocently, but your feet were bare. You stepped on those rocks. Others had put the rocks there. You didn't. But God says, for all the different pains you have suffered, I will now put you in a pool of healing oils. It's like being in God's sauna where God soothes your soul, comforts your mind, and takes the loneliness and drives it far away. Because you were born to love people and because it flows out of you, God says, I will not withhold from you any of my goodness and kindness. Second Kings 8, 66. You will live on my goodness. You will eat it and drink it and sing it and feel it and give it and know it and rejoice in it. Sad days are gone. Happy days are here again. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I want that for myself. I want the Holy Spirit. Because ladies and gentlemen, remember that the idea of church is encountering God. That's the idea of church. We want to encounter God. And uh, my brother, would you stand up with your wife? I know that you have gone through a physical battle. So I have all that information. I also know that you win souls. And you know, when I approached you this morning and hugged you, I felt a tangible presence of God on you. I don't know how else to say it. You are literally right now soaking in the glory of God. You are a great man of God. You're not average and you were never normal. <laughs> you don't ever have to apologize for it because God made you just like you are. You are like an ice breaking ship out at sea. 
All there is is ice. And it does not move you because God has given you the gift of faith. Your ship will break the ice. You'll break it and shatter it in pieces and all the wildlife that is under there that can never be seen and all the beauties and all the discoveries of heaven will all start shooting up out of the ocean that God has put you in. Your net is now being enlarged. The Lord has been faithful to both of you. and You just love Jesus so much. And I'm so glad that I got to hug you a little bit this morning and feel, you know, what is on your family. You will have a great family. Your children will love God all the days of their life. Deuteronomy 54, 13 says, I will teach them. I will mentor them. I will put them in my personal school of discipleship. And they will spend their days in pleasures of heaven, singing, worshiping, and magnifying my name. Praise the Lord. I received that for myself. Everyone say, I received that for myself. Now, everybody, if you go in your Bibles this morning, thank you, Miss Laura, appreciate that. That really helps me a lot. The whole thing was just so cool. Okay. So uh, in this morning, for the time that we have, and then again tonight, and I want to give you a personal invitation to be here tonight. I need about one hour of your time for what I'm going to do tonight because I believe it's going to be one of the most life-changing things. I have never preached this. I got it this morning for the church. And the Holy Spirit told me it's a very powerful night of healing because the healing of your identity. And this is very important. Who are you to you? Who are you to God? And the Lord began to show me this morning that as you grow up in your life, you began to be chewed on. Your identity begins to be chewed on by the wolf and by the snake, and by the dragon, and so on. And there's eight of those. God just showed me that this morning. And we're going to get you healed so that who you are can truly come forth. And all the hindering things about you that stop you from doing that can be removed out of the way. Praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to it already. It's going to be great. But Give me one hour of your time. Be here at 6.30, and I will try to have you out by 7.30. Praise the Lord. And if I'm lying about that, it's not intentional. My disclaimer is it's not intentional. But my intention and my commitment is to do that. Praise the Lord. And if you have something better to do with your life, okay. Praise the Lord. So... Let's talk about what I want to talk about today. And this is the name of this message, the laws of possessing. Look around at somebody and say the laws of possessing. So here's what I want to say to you. Christianity is not an automatic happy life. Christianity doesn't just start happening to you by itself. Jesus died at Calvary, and when he died at Calvary, he purchased everything you ever need for any area of your life, including yourself and your children and your business and your health and heaven and wisdom and blessings and Christ-likeness and power and anointing and success and freedom. All bought, all paid for, all purchased. Can we all say thank God? Thank God. Righteousness, bought and paid for. Justification bought and paid for. Salvation, bought and paid for. Redemption, bought and paid for. Forgiveness, bought and paid for. Healing, bought and paid for. Power in your life, bought and paid for. Victory over sin, bought and paid for. Unity in your marriage and a beautiful family, bought and paid for. Mental health, bought and paid for. Emotional health, bought 
and paid for. Praise God, volitionary health, the ability to choose right, bought and paid for. Spiritual health, being right with God and in the word of God and in the things of God, bought and paid for. A happy life, bought and paid for. Beautiful sleep, blessed of God, bought and paid for. Praise God. Anything you need, anything you can think of that is good, that makes you happy, that is healthy, that is good for you, good for your children, good for your grandchildren, good for your great-grandchildren, all bought and paid a successful business that cannot be stopped by the economy of the world, the leaders of the world, the pandemics of the world, or any anic of the world. All of it bought and paid for. The power to rise above the natural circumstances and laws of nature, if necessary, bought and paid for. That thing that I'm talking about is called your inheritance. And let's read about it. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. And here it is. Everybody say, I have an inheritance that is imperishable. It cannot be destroyed. It's undefiled. It cannot be corrupted. And it's unfading. It cannot fade away. Three things about your inheritance that you need to know that God bought for you. Now. Just because you're a Christian and believe in God and believe the Bible doesn't mean that any of these things are actually going to happen to you. This is what I've learned now in 50 years of preaching. That there are some people who enter in and there are some people who don't enter in. Some people never touch anything God has for them and other people go after everything. So you have Christians that are very victorious and some that are very defeated. You have Christians that are very healthy and then others that are very unhealthy. Praise the Lord. Amen. And just to give you a recap on how this works, your life can only be spent in three places, period. The first place is the world, and the world in the Bible is compared to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. In Egypt, you have Pharaoh, which is the devil. And then you have taskmasters, which are the addictions, bad habits, and all the things you inherit in DNA from your family. Weaknesses, tendencies towards insanity, tendencies towards diseases, tendencies towards mental problems, emotional problems, violence, alcoholism, adultery, tendencies in your DNA. You inherit those, and those are all from Egypt because you're born in the world without God unsaved. Everybody is born in the same place. Praise the Lord. If you do not get delivered from Egypt, the world, delivered from Pharaoh, the devil, and get delivered from the taskmasters, which carry whips and beat you up and make you miserable in your life. If you don't get delivered from that, but believe the gospel and say, I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says. I believe everything about it. I believe everything Jesus said. Never leave the world, Egypt, then you are what is called, or what I call, an Egyptian Christian. Okay? You're an Egyptian Christian. It means you just act like you're totally lost, but you believe like you're totally saved. So you've got to get delivered from Egypt, and that happens in two ways. Exodus 2.23, the people began to cry, groan, sigh, and weep. They were desperate to get out. Once you get desperate to get out, then your journey is activated and your deliverance is starting. 2 Exodus 12, 1 through 10, the Passover, eat the whole lamb, eat everything about Jesus, and every piece of Jesus you eat delivers you from a piece of the world. And if you eat the pieces of Jesus you don't like, then you really get delivered from that curse that's on your family, that iniquity you inherited from your family, and the demons that are attached to it. You're delivered from all that. So God's first agenda then is to deliver you from Egypt, 
and get you out of Pharaoh's control, authority, and power, Colossians 1.13. You have been delivered from the authority and power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Praise the Lord. Some people are not delivered only in word. They are not delivered in actuality. So you have a lot of unhappy Christians. What's the danger in this? That when you do not experience the Christian life as God has set it out, your image of God changes because you relate to God as you relate to your life and you see God as you have a relationship with him. So if God never answers your prayers, he never heals you, he never delivers you, he never does miracles and nothing good ever happens to you, then that's how you see God. So your experience with God creates your image of God. And so many Christians that are in church don't see God the way he really is because they don't experience God the way he really is. They go to church perhaps every Sunday for 50 years, but nothing in their life ever gets better. Well, that's going to give you a picture of God that's unhealthy. They read the Bible, but they're still meaner than a junkyard dog because they don't know how to get delivered or activate the Bible to release its superpowers into their life. They're just trying the best they can out of willpower, and all of this is called religion. So religion cannot give you what you need. It can only deceive you that you're getting what you need. But in actuality, you have no substance and no evidence that God is even real because God is supernatural. And until God does something supernatural for you, you can't actually say that's God. That could just be circumstances, life, situation. You could blame God for everything good and blame the devil for everything bad. But until something supernatural happens where there's no question that that's a miracle, then you're not yet activated in the lifestyle and culture of the Bible. Everybody with me so far? I'm giving you the review. And so, so one day you freak out. I'm out, I want out of this. I can't handle it. I want to live a right life, live for God. You take Jesus as your Savior. You start eating him. Boom. You cross the Red Sea, which is baptism. You come through the Red Sea. And then the second place you spend your life, can, is the wilderness. So there in the wilderness, the only objective of God there is to get Egypt out of you. So he got you out of it. But it got in you, and now it has to be dragged out of you. It is selfishness, greed, murder, rebellion, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy, cursing, judging, pride, ego, self-serving, self-gratification, lust, idolatry, all types of disaster, ideas, self-pity, self-loathing self-hatred, uncleanness, impurity, and all forms of perversion. That's what's in you when you come out. So what God does during that time, it's called the grace period. God gives you grace and gives you unconditional prosperity. The manna comes. You don't do anything to get it. He just sends it because he doesn't want you to be distracted while you're getting your surgeries. Are you with me so far? So he, he also makes sure you don't get sick. He doesn't want you to get dis- discouraged. He puts clothes on you. They don't wear out. Your shoes don't wear out. And then he sends you a cloud to keep the atmosphere and temperature really cool. And then at night, you got a big pillar of fire. It keeps you warm. So for a season only, you have all these divine provisions. They're not permanent because nothing of that type is unconditional, except the love of God. That's unconditional. But all of these things we're talking about require activating by faith. One of the things you realize is when you cross over into the promised life, the manna stops. Now you, to get your finances blessed now, you're going to have to tithe. And if you don't tithe, there's no manna coming. <laughs> you know, you're just going broke. Or your money will curse you and become your God, and then you'll not have a relationship with God because you're so consumed with making money. Right. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
So you're there, you're in. So the problem with the wilderness Christian, say it out loud, wilderness Christian. So we have the Egyptian Christian, full of the world. We have the wilderness Christian. The problem with not learning your lessons is you keep going around in circles. So if you're stubborn and God says to you, you're a big gossip, I need to perform surgery on you, cut down your tongue a little bit. It's very large, very long, very big, and very dangerous. And he says to you, you're a gossip. He says, no, I'm not. I'm a prophetess. I'm telling people the truth about their lives, whether they like it or not. Which you're not a prophetess. You're an accuser of the brethren. Which means you have the ministry of Satan in your mouth. You don't comfort, encourage, or uplift, which are the three rules of prophetic things. Instead, you judge, attack, criticize, and blame. I'm a prophetess, or I'm a prophet. All a bunch of baloney, praise the Lord, but this is the wilderness for you. You keep going in circles. God tells you something. You need to stop getting angry. You need to work on that anger to crucify it. Say, this is not anger. This is the righteous anger of God. And then you turn all your children into atheists. Because all they ever knew at your house is your rage and anger that you blamed on God. They didn't know tenderness, kindness, compassion, joy, peace, affection, love, quality time, celebrating them, nurturing them, praising them, lifting them up, building them up, putting power inside them, and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. So I'm preaching a couple of weeks back in California, and there's about three or 4,000 people, and I've got my little uh, grandson, Zaya, with me. And Zaya's been preaching with me lately, four years old. And so I got him up there. He grabs the mic. He says, hey, everybody, I just want to tell you, you know, if you ask Jesus in your heart, you'll go to heaven. And everybody did that because it's a tiny little voice. You can barely see him. And then he starts quoting all his Bible verses right down the line. Bam, 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 bam. And then he ends up with Psalm 100 and quotes the whole psalm. Everybody's weeping because the motto of their church is Psalm 100. They did all that. Praise the Lord. Now, why am I saying that? Because I'm telling you, you have an inheritance for your children that needs to be passed on to your children and on to your great-grandchildren. And if you don't learn the laws of possessing and how to activate all this, then your Christianity is actually going to be empty and all intellectual with information, but with no substance. And you do not want that. That's why powerful men with lots of money and powerful women go to churches that can only give them religion because they want God in a box. They want to control what he can do to them because they're afraid he will ask them for money. Some rich men are like that. There are other rich men who say, I've got all this money, God. What do you want me to do with it? And they do whatever God tells them. And their wealth in heaven just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And that is your pastor and his family and all the other people that are here who give and give and give and give and give. And to you, I applaud. Because you make things happen for people that nobody cares about. And I think that is something that makes God smile. Praise the Lord. Let's take a praise break, everybody. Just praise the Lord a little bit and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You're so amazing. You know, uh, this couple right here, ma'am, you're right here. And then I think that's your husband there. You're in one, two, three, row four. Yep. Could you all reach your hands out to them? So just five little blessings that I want to give you real quick because the Lord keeps speaking to me as I'm speaking. One is lots of improvement in your health. Two, I see feathers everywhere, like pillows, beds of feather, everything. So comfort, a tremendous amount of comfort is coming your way. Three, the realization of the tangible presence of God will be with you at home. Four, everybody you've been praying for, answers are coming. And five, you'll have peace in your life. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Glory to God. Everybody say hallelujah. Turn to somebody right now and say, I love you, even though you're mean to me sometimes. 
Praise the Lord. So, and, and what I said to you, I just meant individually for each one of you, just so you know, because I want you all to take it personally, individually, all right, to each one of you. So think about what I'm saying right now. You can spend 40 years going around in circles because you refuse to learn the lessons God wants to teach you, and then your bones bleach, and then your body parts fall off, and now you can't see God, hear God, feel God, touch God, taste God, because that's happening. Praise the Lord. Let's say you do all that. You get over to the Jordan River. You're ready to enter your promised life. Everybody say promised life. You're ready to enter that, but it's not going to just be given to you. Just going here to church and showing up, nothing's going to be given to you. Peace is not going to be given to you. Joy. You're not just going to like just sit and absorb and it just, it'll happen in some cases temporarily at some level, but to possess something. That's what we're after. You want to be an owner, not a renter. Praise God. Tell somebody that I need to be an owner, not a renter. You see, some of you just rent Jesus. You just rent him during church. And other people become actors. They find out what Christ, victorious Christians look like, act like, and talk like, and then they copy that. But at home, they're nothing like that. And that's not good for you. Acting is not good. Being is good. Praise the Lord. So tell somebody next, I'm going to be the real thing. Say it to somebody, I want to be authentic and real and genuine. Praise God. So wave your hands like this and say, God, open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings. So what are the laws of possessing? They came to the Jordan. They were leaving Egypt. All the people that left Egypt that were not warriors, because remember, in Egypt, you can only be one thing, a slave. In the wilderness, you can only be a patient being operated on. Neither one of those can enter the promised land. Only the warriors can go in. So the only people that went into the promised land were 20 years old and under, plus Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else died going around in circles. It is estimated that there was almost two and a half million people that came out. So according to all the research that I can do, only about 120,000 went in. So look at somebody right now and say, whoa. So Christianity is not cheap, though everything has been purchased for you and given to you. It's there in position. But until the position becomes the possession, you have actually nothing to show for it except ideas. So Christianity is not an idea thing. It is a substance thing, is an experience thing. So if all you do is believe a thing, that brings it only to the realm of belief. Until you possess it, you cannot enjoy its fullness. So that's like saying, you know, God has purchased for me uh, peace of mind, but you're tormented every night. You have anxiety. You wake up with anxiety attacks. You can't sleep at night. Because of that, you have to take uh, uh, drugs of some sort because you have not possessed what Jesus has bought. Okay? So let's begin here at the Jordan River, Numbers 32, 1 through 12. They're at the Jordan River. Everybody with me there? Joshua chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. They approach the river. God speaks to them, and he tells the priests are carrying the ark. They put their, their foot in the water, and the waters part. They go 20 miles that way, and 20 miles that way, and they open that area of the Jordan River so they can cross. And God dries it for them to be able to cross. Are you with me so far? Yeah. So in order for the people to get to their promised life, their inheritance, they had to go through the Jordan River. The Jordan River, if you look up the word Jordan River, it gives us our second, our third secret of entering. Our first being desperation, our second one eating Jesus, and our third one being learning your lesson. So those three you got. And then our fourth one is this one, Jordan. You're going into the Jordan. These are the laws of possessing what belongs to you. And that word means to descend into death.
So in order for you to possess your inheritance, you have to die to yourself and live unto God, Galatians 2.20, in order for you to enter into something new that God has promised you. In other words, there's some things you will never get until you die to the flesh part of that. Praise the Lord. You'll never get peace until you truly have died to unforgiveness. Then when you can forgive everybody, you have peace. Because you have died to your unforgiveness and revenge and judgmentalism of other people. Praise the Lord. The fifth law spoken of there is it said, don't go across the Jordan before the ark. Don't get in front of the ark. The ark represents the presence of God, power of God, and glory of God. So you as a Christian, if you're going to make any progress as a Christian, the presence of God has to be with you and go before you. The Ark of the Covenant was three quarters of a mile in front of the main body of people crossing. They could see it. It was three quarters of a mile ahead of them, but they could never get ahead of it. If you get ahead of the presence of God, then you destroy your inheritance by being defeated by your giants. Is everybody still here? So the presence of the Lord comes by serving God, loving God, praising God, worshiping God, adoring God, and praying. Amen? If you do that, this gives you a secret key on beginning to possess something. Because the presence of God is going ahead of you, doing things. Making miracles happen everywhere you go. Supernaturally creating miracles for you. I mean, look, we got all that stuff uh, to build the hospitals and all those things. Bam! The presence of God went ahead and bam! There it is. Whatever you do here, whatever God leads Pastor um, Robert to do here and, 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 and the rest of whoever he's connected to, however that happens, the presence of the Lord is going to go ahead and clear the way for you to walk into your inheritance. Praise the Lord. Six, Numbers 13, 30 through 33. Twelve spies went in the land. They came back, and ten of them said, we can't go in. We can't do this. This is impossible. We're the size of a grasshopper compared to the giants. So if you're going to possess your inheritance, you cannot be intimidated by the giants that are ahead of you, and you have to keep a good report in your mouth. Even though what you see looks negative, you've got to say what God says he's going to do. And so Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that say, we're well able to go into the land, even though there are nine and ten foot people in there with giant swords. And we're like the size of a grasshopper. We have God in us that makes us bigger than everybody. And so they said, we're well able to do it. So they're the only two that went in. So if you want to possess something that you have as an inheritance, you begin to keep your good report and declare it in the atmosphere. And speak over your children with prophetic utterances. Speak over your children. They're going to all serve God. They're going to walk with God. They're not going to go to jail. They're not going to prison. They're not going to be atheists. I mean, you keep that in their ears. You say that in your prayers and you keep that going. And it begins to activate your inheritance. And you begin to see it, taste it, and feel it. Praise the Lord. And of course, they were able to do it. And then number seven, Joshua 3.10. I'll drive out from your midst the Hivite, the Hittite, the Amalekite, the Amorite, the Girgashite, the Parasite, and the Hittite. Praise the Lord. So all of the mighty giants that are there, God says, I'm going to drive them out. And so when Caleb and them went in, in order to get your stuff, each one of you that's here has in your family assigned giants, each one of you. You have giants that you got from your forefathers, from your father and mother, and from them. And these giants have wreaked havoc over your family for years and years. They have stolen from you. They have made you poor. They have made you sick. They have robbed you of peace. They have robbed you of sanity. They have robbed you of victory. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive them out. So in Joshua 10, 24, then Joshua finds five of the, of the leaders of the giants, the kings of the giants. He finds them. They're hiding in a cave. 
He drags them out and then he hangs them in front of everybody so everybody will know this is what we're going to do to the giants. We're going to hang them like we just hung these nine and ten foot dudes right now. And he put his little tiny foot on their giant neck. He said, this is what they are going to be. There's five of them, and they had these unusual names. When I looked up their names, here's what one of them meant. The taste of venom in the mouth. That takes care of all unforgiveness, revenge, and all the wicked emotions that people have. Two, king of terror. That takes care of all the fear and anxiety, all that. Three, pit of nothingness and emptiness. That takes care of all loneliness and all those issues that come from there. Four, the house of uncleanness, and that takes care of all perversion, all uncleanness. And five, very, very powerful to twist the eyes and change the perspective for every lie. And he hung them all because these giants were assigned in the promised land to keep your inheritance away from you. You have something that is a giant in your life. Some of you have five, 10, 20 of them. It could be anger, the great destroyer. Then they killed Og, the king, whose bed was 11 feet long. He was nine feet something tall. His name means to rage with fury. And they killed him. They killed Goliath, whose name means intimidator. And they cut his head off. So if you are going to take possession of something that belongs to you, you're going to have to kill your giants. And then in 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel chapter 15, the story of King of Saul and Samuel and the king of the Amalekites, which the name was Agag, and God told Saul, kill everybody and the sheep too. So when Samuel the prophet found him, he kept all the sheep for barbecuing. He says, we're barbecuing. We're having a barbecue. Surely God doesn't mind if I just, you know, adjust what he told me a little bit and keep the barbecue. We're having fun, celebrating our victory. And he let the king live. Samuel saw the king. He said, what have you done? This is not what God told you. And here's what he's told him. The kingdom is torn from you and given to a man after God's own heart. Because you will not do what, I, what God tells you. You adjust what God tells you and make up your own religion. So all religions that do not line up with the Bible have judgment on them because they're not in harmony with God. And that doesn't mean just non-Christian religions. That means as well as all religious groups that do not line up with what the Bible teaches are in danger of having the kingdom taken away from them and they living an empty life. Obviously, there's many godly people in all these churches and all those kind of things. But those are exceptions. They're there, more, more like God's, you know, secret agents that are there to spread the love of God, the joy of God, and the peace of God. But understand that religion by itself will not give you anything. It's rituals and things like that. You need fellowship with God. Communion with God is what enriches you. Are you with me so far? Yes. I'm almost done. So, so then he says to them, uh, I want you, Samuel says, bring the king here. He takes his sword and then hews him, the Bible says, hews him in pieces before him. That's what you do with your enemies. Once you find one in your life and you say, this is an enemy of mine, this, this thing steals from me, you must kill it to where it cannot rise a second time. Because this is what he told him. If you don't kill them, they will become like thorns in your eyes. Praise God. We go to Joshua 10, 24. Joshua's 85. He's been killing giants for over 30 years. He then comes to Joshua and says, where's my inheritance? I want it. I claim it. And there was a mountain called Hebron. And God had said, Caleb, you and your descendants can have Hebron. And Hebron means sweet place of communion. So he said, that's my mountain and I want my mountain. And here's the law of possessing. If you don't claim what belongs to you, it will slip through your life. And years will pass. And you will no longer be physically fit enough to take possession of the thing that got assigned to you for your life. Praise the Lord. 
So when God speaks to you, do not delay. Delayed obedience deforms your destiny. Amen. If God tells you to repent for something, don't think about it. Especially if you know it's wrong. If you're smoking pot and God tells you, you got to stop doing that. Don't just say, oh, Lord, please, I got one more reefer left. Let me do that. And then after that, one more. No, 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 no. Don't delay it. Say, I stop right now. No more reefers. I'm reefer free. Can I just hate this one person? Just this one. I'll forgive all the rest of them. But let me hate this one. This rotten son of a motherless goat. Let me hate them. Don't delay. If you know you should apologize for some, to somebody because you gossiped about them, write them a letter. Say, I apologize for gossiping. And I'm also calling the people I gossip to and tell them that I gossiped and lied about you. That's repentance. Anything short of that is not repentance. Just apologizing to the person and never repairing the damage, that's not repentance. That's just a bunch of baloney. Not sure I feel the love on that right now, so I'm going to go over here and encourage myself. Way to go, Ivan. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Laws of possessing. Okay, and then our last one, Joshua 1, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Don't tolerate fear. For you shall lead my people into the promised land. Let not the book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. And be careful to do everything that is written therein, for then you shall find success, and then you shall find prosperity. Praise the Lord. My final point to end this is you have to not be a coward. That's a law of possession. You can't be a coward. Right. You can't give in to fear right. and intimidation. Nope. You have to be a courageous, brave person. Risk whatever it takes to obey God. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. And then the book of the law. Cannot depart from your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. Make the Bible your discipleship house. Put yourself inside the Bible. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Write it. Sing it. Explore it. Walk in it. Live in it. Enjoy it. Give it to others. Dissect it. Master it, possess it, and let it saturate your body, your soul, and your spirit. These are laws of possessing. If you want to have what God assigned to you at, in the womb, this is some of the ways. There's many more, but this is some of the ways that you will get to do that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Everybody, close your eyes for a little bit. Play my music. And I want you to think about your life today, and it is 1218. I want you to think of your life today. Where is your life? What are the experiences that you're having right now? What is going on in your home? What is happening in your family, to your family? What are the things that are troubling your home and your family? Think about that. Because whoever you are, God has so much more for all of us. He has so much more. Whatever you have, He has so much more. But you must make room for God in your life. You must give God first place. Like it says in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Say, God, I'm going to go after you with all my strength. I'm going to go after you with all my mind. I'm going to go after you with all my will. I'm going to go after you with all my heart, God. In you. And that is God's call on your life. Make room for God.
But don't put God in a space of time. Don't say God is from 12 till, or from 10 till 12, or 10.30 to 12. That's God's time. Don't do that. Make room for God every day, all day, by having an unbroken conversation going on with Him. Now, any person today who's sitting in this sanctuary and you think about heaven, you may be close to death or you may be far from death. But one thing you do know, death comes to us all. And it does not come invited. It asks, asks no one for permission. It comes when it comes, however it comes. You must know that because you have seen enough people pass away. So do not be presumptuous in thinking you have more time to get your life right with God. This could be that moment. Let me say that again. This is that moment that God has provided to make sure that when you die, that you will go to heaven. So here's my question. Can you say you're 100% sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? I'm still in Can you say I am 100% sure that when I die, I will go straight to heaven? Because if you are not 100% sure of that, this is your day to fix that. Be honest with yourself and answer the question truthfully to yourself and say, God, I'm not 100% sure that if I died, I would go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to know that. I want to feel it. And you can't buy that peace. That's only something God can give you. So, this is my question. I'm going to ask you to do something simple and easy right there where you're at. If you say, I want that peace in my heart, I want to know that I know that I know that if I died today, I would go to heaven. All I want you to do, right there where you're sitting, is lift your hand right now, high enough for me to see, and then I'm going to pray for you, and God is going to do his miracle. Oh my gosh. Look at all those hands that are going up, and stretch them out. Stretch them out where God can see it, without any shame. I see your hands everywhere. There, 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 there. I see your hands going up. Now, without any shame, and don't stop that music, without any shame, I want you to stand right there where you're at and let me pray for you and let heaven see you that you are standing because Jesus said it like this, if you're ashamed of me in public, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. So I have you all stand publicly. Some of you are already saved and you have doubts. We're going to get rid of those. And some of you are crossing the bridge of eternity for the first time. This is what I want you to do. Wave your hand if I have your permission to lead you in a prayer. Would you wave your hand at me? I will not make you say anything to anybody or embarrass you will you do this for me will you walk up here where i can see you would you walk up here right now leave your seat and walk up here in front of everybody in front of god in front of people in front of everybody just walk up and please give them a hand as they come up here leave your seat and come up here i make people do it publicly because god said to do it publicly that's what he said to do. That's what he said to do. So you're doing this publicly. Now that's whether some of you are saved and have doubts or whether some of you are crossing the bridge for the first time because you can go to church a lot of years and never do this. 
And we have people get saved this last probably two months. We've, we've had several thousand people get saved. Maybe two thousand people get saved. Maybe more. I'm not boasting about that. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who are not in a relationship with God that gives them the peace and assurance that some of you have. But that's changing. So number one thing. God is forgiving you right now. He's going to forgive you for everything you ever did. Now that's not enough for some of you. Because in order for you to have a relationship with God that's going to work, you've got to be able to look at God without thinking He knows what I did. So what God does to just to forgive you, He adds something. He forgets what you did. He makes Himself forget it. So he cannot remember what you did that makes you feel guilty and ashamed. He forgets it. That's what you call perfect and divine forgiveness. Everybody with me? Stretch your hands out to any of these that you know. And let's say the prayer all together with them. Dear God in heaven, I repent for my sins and I turn my back on Satan and his plan for my life. I reject the devil and all the influence that he has ever had in my life through family and through friends and through entertainment. I now accept you into my heart as Lord and Savior and ask you to take my doubts away. And I also ask you, Lord, to write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life so that when I die, I will go to Him. I want to have that peace every day. And I don't want to doubt it anymore. So Jesus, Cleanse me by your blood. Wash me clean and give me a new beginning where everything is brand new. And I can look into your face without guilt and without shame. In Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, you are forgiven. Your sins are forgotten. God is looking down and he's smiling. He has always loved you. He always will, whether you love him or not. But you're going to be his servants and his disciples. And you will never question this again. Would you turn around and face the church for a moment? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, can I present to you these men and these women that have been forgiven? Their names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they are going to go to heaven when they die. Can we all shout unto the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You all may be seated. God bless you. Come on, let's celebrate their beautiful choice and such a beautiful day we're having today in the name of Jesus. Now I want to say, please do everything within your power to be here tonight at 6.30. And we're going to have a lot of ministry to a lot of people like we did this morning. And then also one of the beautiful encounters, I think, uh, that we could have in our lives to prepare us for the journey we're about to take. Could you give a big hand to my friend, Pastor Robert. And thank you, everybody. God bless. Praise. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. Aren't you glad you came to church? Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, listen, as Ivan was just talking about, you know, taking possession, I want to tell you something. If you want to be connected with him in a, in a, the best way you can do it is giving. That's the bottom line. Is getting connected. And so we're going to take up an offering right now. And so ushers help me. If you need an offering envelope, uh, just raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. We want to take up an offering. 
It's going to go directly to them. Go ahead and make your church, your checks out to, to Living Waters. And uh, then we can just uh, cut him one check tonight. If you didn't come prepared and you're coming back tonight, it's fine. We're going to take up another offering. But uh, praise God. So uh, ushers, just help me. Anybody needs an offering envelope? Play something pretty there, sweetie. <laughs> By the way, if you don't know, that's my wife. I can call her sweetie. So People be saying, what kind of church is that? <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Those of you today that gave your heart to the Lord for the first time, Listen, man, I'm so, ha I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. Man, your life is right in the, woo! I mean, that's what you got, a shout of the Lord now in your life. And so I just want to encourage you, be here tonight. God's still got more for you. He didn't, you didn't get everything. There's more. Everybody say there's more. Amen. There's more. It's going to be good, 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 good. So... I just want to pray for you and we can be back. Y'all, I know you're going to go eat lunch and got plenty of time to take a nap and make it back. So if you would stand to your feet. Let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for what you've done today. That you're moving our lives and Lord was so excited about it. But Lord, I just pray right now over every person, over the offerings they give, over the tithes, over everything that's been taking place today, Lord. I just thank you that, Lord, we want to be people that go in and possess the land. We want to be those warriors for you. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless these people. Put your hand upon them. Lord God, as they come back tonight, I just thank you there's a great expectation. It just breeds an atmosphere for miracles. And Lord, there are signs and wonders and miracles tonight. Because we know that the good hand of God is upon us. And that, Lord, you have great things you want to do in our lives. So, Lord, we come with expectation. Expectation. So bless them, Lord. Bless this time, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. I'll see you all back here at 630 tonight. <laughs>